Hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, and welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise, Praise him. him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was not ready for that one. For what? To praise him. Like, <laughs> that time. Anywho, it doesn't matter now, we've done it. Uh, and welcome back to the Midsummery, oh, bitches. Welcome back, we're Midsummerizing. It's we're happening. doing it so much to Midsummerize. Yes. There's just constantly more. Yes, on this, potentially the hottest day ever. I need everybody to know that we are recording in a room with no air conditioning, door and window closed, and it's 40 degrees. Yes. So, <laughs> so yes. bear with us. Yes, and you know that, ah, oh, man, Jesus. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, you know I hate bringing up the weather, but it's that intense. It's it's uh, it's the it's elephant a, in the room. There's an elephant in here as well. Yes, there's a bear fighting the bear. Yes. Okay, which one would win between the bear and the elephant? Um, I oh, I feel like I saw this at a gay club once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who won that? Did de- um, they just fall in love? I did. I got to watch. Oh, oh! <laughs> being gay is a joke. Okay. So- <laughs> That's the funniest choice I ever made. That's exactly it. Uh, today on the Midsummery, we're going to be talking about Iago by Late August Productions and Torch Song by TaylorMade Productions. Ah, which is a very clever pun. Why is it a clever pun? Because <laughs> it's by TaylorMade. It's like making a suit. Yes. But it's also TaylorMade because there's people, two tailors in the production, like blah blah Taylor and blah blah. Oh yeah, Taylor. the the co-directors. They have Taylor as a surname. Yes. Yes. Whether they're, you know, siblings, married, or just have the same... Or half-siblings. Or half-siblings. Yes. It's my hope and theory. Jake, okay. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, do you want to start? I mean, yeah. Well, let's do it. (laughs) How's it going? Oh, all the better for seeing you, my love. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Who are these inconsistent You guys, characters? get out of here. Jake and James, it's time to show. Oh, being bedaggled again. <laughs> um, there they go. <laughs> their tails between their legs. <laughs> From that radio fucking serial that we wanted to make happen, but no one was interested. We're going to bring those characters back to life. Oh, you better believe. <laughs> We can still hear you. you like that? I pretended it was oh, far away. I wonder who those characters are. We don't have time to get to know them. <laughs> we don't have Do you want to flesh out a whole pretend narrative? <laughs> I think it's what the listeners would love. <laughs> and my name's Stealthy Helter. I'm Gonky. <laughs> I like Gonky. Gonky's good. I like Gonky a lot. I live in chimneys, I does. <laughs> but only if they've been cleaned recently. Soot, you see. <laughs> It's Gonky for you. Gonky ate soot. <laughs> Let's shut the fuck up about Gonky and talk about us. Oh. <laughs> the only thing I care about. Um, hi Jake, how are you? Yeah, super duper fine, James. What That's about good. you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good, thank you. Yeah. Um, I've just been, on this 40 degree day, mm-hmm. to a wonderful event. Yes. The Pride March. The Pride March. 2024. Good God. Midsummer Pride March. Mm. I went. Yep. I marched at the end. And at the end, you know, when everyone else is gone and you can sort of like march down <laughs> your own what? little group. So, oh, wait, so the march is down and then you come out, like the just last proudly group, swinging your like arms. The midsummer volunteers go down, and then everyone sort of joins in the midsummer volunteers at the end. Like, okay. so you can just sort of join it, like it, like it's a train. You just get on to, the, to get to the end of the like a conga line, like, much like a conga line. Okay, yeah, same <laughs> rules apply. Um, so yeah, so I went to the mar- I went to the pride march, which okay. I guess is what I'm going to talk to you about right now. Hit me with it then. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was me hitting Jake with it. Yes. Now we can move on. Uh, no. So forty. <laughs> Another advertisement of our radio skills and foley work. <laughs> yeah. Hire us, please, ABC. Yes. Donkey um. can punch whoever you want. Donkey's you like. pretty violent. Yeah. 
Yeah. He has a past. He, oh, God. Hmm. Well, you don't end up living in chimneys without a past. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, went along. Um, my two housemates and I. So Imogen and Iona. Iona was so lovely and she drove, which I just feel is something I need to mention because it was so nice because I didn't want to have to sit on the tram for an hour. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we get there. It's so weird that your two housemates have names starting with I. It's confusing. I still get it mixed up sometimes, even though I've known them for like three or four years now. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, like people call you James and me Jake sometimes. You did that the other day via text message. I you did. called me James. Yeah, you've <laughs> called me Jake before. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that I'm smarter. <laughs> Good. I've called myself Jack when introducing myself. Careful, I'll get gonky in here. Oh no! No, here he comes. Um, yeah, it's confusing when people's names start with the same letter. For simple For idiots. <laughs> so us. Um, so Imogen. So, so Iona, Imogen, and Idiot. <laughs> the three eyes. My God, well done. Yeah, thank you. Well along, and uh, yeah, we saw the bright march. We got there a little bit late, so we did miss. I don't mean to cut you off, but I have to say it so it's out of my mind. Is a triclops a thing? Like a monster with three eyes? Oh. Like your household has? Um. A, a triclops? Tri- I don't know, because a cyclops, a biclops is just a regular person. In a way, we are both biclopses. <laughs> You're definitely a biclops. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, triclops, I guess we can get it trending. Okay, great. Yes. First step, get pick it, it up, guys. Pick it up. <laughs> um, so I got there a little bit late in the day. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I got there like at like twelve thirty or something. Sure. So I missed my favorite part of the Pride March every year: mm-hmm. the dikes on bikes. Love them. The dikes on bikes. The dikes on bikes to start the Pride March every year. You know. Yeah. 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 So I, I I love them every year, um, and they're always biking down the the. the, the it's, there's something about the rev of an engine and like all the motorbikes that just really get me going. Hang on. <laughs> What? What? No, no. They're on motorcycles. Yeah, the dikes on. Yeah, the dikes on bikes. This. No, James. This whole time. What? <laughs> no, the whole time I thought every time someone said dikes on bikes, I thought that you were talking about like like ding ding. Like bicycles. Like bicycles. I thought they were like lesbians what? who liked to bicycle around town thought, on little bicicletas. Wait, you thought like like a bunch of like greyhound owning like. Like, like, jarring, like, lesbians on bicycles was how the Pride Like how started. Maria von Trapp gets around Austria. No, Jake, it's like butch leather, big butch dykes. I can say that word because they call themselves that in the Pride Mart. Yes, but they call themselves that with like a capital D. I don't know if you can just use it casually in conversation. Yeah, but I'm using it in reverence because it's like a long history of butch like lesbians on motorbikes and they start the Pride March every year. I don't know how long they've done it, but, but you thought they were just on bicycles? I thought they were just like ding-dinging around. No, I don't want to be mean to you. Go ahead, do it. You're a fucking idiot. Thank you, Jake. You're welcome. <laughs> no, Jake, the, it's it's this wonderful tradition of big butch lesbians on a bunch of motorcycles, brum, 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 right down the main drag, and then the Pride, the pride March follows them. It's, it's always wonderful and it's always fun. Do they have a bunch of, like, dainty gay men behind them on little bicicletas? <laughs> that would be, that would feel appropriate for it to end with, like, a bunch of, I guess, gays on unicycles? It makes sense. The lesbians get the shit done at the start and then the gays get all the attention at the end. You. Yeah. <laughs> Notice how I'm saying gays to represent gay men. Yeah. That feels wrong. <laughs> I regret it. No, I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I think we would got, think that. You've, got, you've, you've become comfortable saying the D word whenever you want to. I suppose you can use the D. I'm allowed. Yeah, you are loud. <laughs> oh, what? Donkey. I'm a quiet, you're allowed. Stay back, donkey, stay back. Like, <laughs> oh, we yeah. need, I think we need to put donkey to bed for a second. There's so many voices Getting going. Getting a chimney, donkey. <laughs> Get back All right. chimney. So, Dykes and Bikes, love them. I missed them, unfortunately, this year. So, I, that was pretty cut up about it. Yeah. But we get there, it's 40, truly 40 degrees. God. Like, it's hot. Mm. Uh, and this parade still goes on. My workplace pulled out, unfortunately. Okay. So the hospital pulled out that I was going to march with. Yeah. Uh, which sounds like they were trying to prevent a pregnancy in a bad way. Um, pulled out? 
Yeah, no, thank yeah, you yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, <laughs> I wasn't... definitely tell a joke and then stop and stand there until you get the applause you wanted. <laughs> well, it was taking a while. Um, so unfortunately, I wasn't able to march with them. We would have been in the health sector. Um, but I love. Have you been to the Pride March, Jake? I am ashamed to say that I have not. I've been to the Shame March. <laughs> you go to the Shame March every day you leave the house. I do. Um, that makes sense. No, I'm scared of crowds. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's not really. It's weak. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it it's is a weak. cause I care about. I think you should definitely come next year because it's really. It's always. I always think. I always forget how nice and meaningful the Pride March is. Yeah. No, I, get there. I was going to march mm. with you if I hadn't. I'd have to see a matinee today. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I remember. But yeah. next year we should definitely go together. Yeah. Because it's. It really is just this wonderful feeling of community of like everyone in it together. Uh, I don't know. Like, there's so many like groups that march down. Like the zoo. My, had like a group they just of, let the animals out and they just all of them, them down. Yeah, the orangutans in high heels. Oh, like they're heading to the ark. Kakada, 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 boom. That was the orangutans being gay. Yeah. Uh, no, it was just regular zoo people, human beings that work at the zoo, and everyone loved it because they're the zoo. You Do know, they what have else? like macaws on their shoulders or anything. No, Jake, they're not going to put the animals through that in a forty-degree day. Oh, that's okay. the only reason. Sure, because all the animals were back at the zoo in their little like ice baths. Yeah, they got like, little blocks of ice in their water. I know that for a fact. <laughs> you know that I've, for a fact. I've seen it on Instagram. Because I chased the zoo people with a microphone. Yeah, I said, hey, hey, <laughs> changing on the hot- street. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down, lesbians. Um, <laughs> dykes on bikes. Uh, anyways, <laughs> it all comes back. Uh-huh. Um, so the zoo was great. Uh, my, one of my favorite groups that went down. The librarian group. Just, oh, yes. a, just a big group of librarians. And they were so, like, they were dressed like you exactly imagine librarians to be dressed as. Cardigans. Like, glasses on chains. Like, everything short of cardigans because it was a 40 degree day. Like, beautiful floral dresses. Like, Miss Honey out of Matilda. Like, oh. yeah. Like, like it was wonderful. And just them holding up signs about books. It was just really nice. Oh, I feel like I know exactly how Miss Honey smells. Probably Honey. I don't know if you know the story of Matilda, but Miss Honey isn't some sort of sludgy honey creature. <laughs> I love you, Matilda. Oh my god, what a disgusting voice. <laughs> Did you... Was that you or you pretending to be Matilda? <laughs> what? That was actually you was hating that? my voice. That's my honey voice. That's, what do you my, mean? my sludgy honey monster voice. Go again, but... I love you, Matilda. Oh my god. Yeah, hi, me. <laughs> I'll do that voice whenever you want. Jesus. Yeah. Um. <laughs> thanks, Jake. That was no. makes me feel real good. Oh no, no. It was like it was good if you wanted a voice that would be really horrific. Oh, I like, did. If Pixar needs some sort of sludge like sludge monster. Yeah, some sort of like demon to fight Fing Moana. Me sludge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so the librarians were not disgusting sludge people. <laughs> good for them. Good for them. They were great. Um. Good for the books. <laughs> great for the books. Yes. And great for me who wants to read the books. You want to read books. I never will though. You won't. No. <laughs> I said I was waiting for Jake because his show ran over today and I was waiting in the park and mm. I said that I was reading I was doing a game on my phone what game were you doing? it's like a colour match game colour match? <laughs> like it's a game where you like have like a bunch of colours that you have to sort of put in order right it's very satisfying it scratches my brain uh, what else happened in this Pride March? oh I love the the pipe band mm-hmm. there's a pipe band that goes every year it's like the I can't remember who they're called they're like the Melbourne pipe band or something and they come down every year and every year you hear in the distance this incredible klaxon of bagpipes starting up and it just says is that the collective noun for bagpipes? I don't know klaxon is like um, a loud air raid siren oh so it's like oh klaxon is a sound like a klaxon is a sound yeah it's like a loud like it's a loud oh like the start of the purge exactly I think that's called a klaxon yeah 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 I think that that is what they call it it sounds like the name of a pokemon it does klaxon that's my other voice (laughs) such range on this guy yeah (laughs) thanks And I'm also here. Um, <laughs> Are you everyone in The Incredibles? <laughs> <laughs> what a perfect movie. 
a perfect movie. Yeah, you know Edna Mode, the voice of Edna Mode is the one that actually directed that movie? Brad Bird? Yeah, that's sure. Brad Bird. Interesting. Doing Edna Mode. That's a fa- fun fact for you listening at home. Mm. Um, for you bird heads. For you bird <laughs> Tweet, tweet. Um, the, so yeah, the pipe band, I just love it every year. I just love a bunch of bagpipes and they're always there with their fun little spinny drum things mm-hmm. and they all look so beautiful and professional but then like in their bagpipes they have like a bunch of rainbows and like a bunch of flags. I just think that's always great. Mm-hmm. Um, what else happened while we were there? Oh, I did get a front row seat to the to the protest. Oh, were they protesting mm. your presence? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they sho- shoved me out because yes. of my ethics <laughs> and the way that I am. Yes. Uh, no, the, the police. So first oh. of all... Mm. The police cohort, I will say, looking pretty scary. Oh, oh, like <laughs> Dressed, devil horns? Might as well be. Oh. No, because, you know, I feel like in this current zeitgeist, mm. <laughs> you know, in this current world, you know, society, in, you know how there's like rules and regulations in the world. I feel like if you're a police person mm-hmm. and you're going to march in the Midsummer Pride March, yes. first of all, you know you're not overly welcome. Uh-huh. I think it's very clear. Um, Sure, yeah, based on, yeah, very, very, like, especially this year, especially this year, discourse happening. Yeah. Don't dress in your big vest with your gun. So, yeah, I saw a brief footage of them. Yeah, you know, describing it, and it was like, it seems like it's the scariest option for them to be wearing what they were wearing. So, the police that were doing, like, the pushing and the shoving in that video, they look like they were, like, riot police that came in from the sidelines. Those were the actual police marching in the parade. Okay. So, all of the police were dressed in their scary... They were all dressed in their scary-looking, dark, dark, quack, quack. Quack, quack. (laughs) A police duck. um, (laughs) Uniforms. And they they looked sinister. Like, it was like watching an occupying army join a parade. Oh. Um, it was pretty. It was pretty fascinating to watch the protest, though, because I was, okay. I was, I ac- accidentally had front row seats to it happening. So how did the protest function with so the parade? The, the, so the police they are they're further towards the end of the protest, or so the end of the march. So a bunch of other people have already gone. Um, so is it is it a march and it's a parade, or it's just one of them? Uh, I guess it's both. Because yeah. it's like a march, it's Pride March, but it is like a big parade. Is like, that if you just define parade as a thing of like a group of people walking in a row? Like yeah, a I, I, exactly. So, I, but a conga line isn't a parade. Maybe it's about volume. This isn't important. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to stop talking. No. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, me. Bold and very you. Um, so the police start marching and then they stop. Because we're just in front of the staging area and they keep stopping the groups because you have to like stagger them out so you, people can read all the banners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the police stop directly in front of us, which is awkward. Mm-hmm. No one is cheering. Yeah. No one is clapping. It's, and they have been up until... Oh, God, yeah, we've been clapping and cheering, and then as soon as the police turn up, we all stop. Yeah. Um, and it's very obvious that they have been drilled for this, because there's... No, 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 sorry, I'll, I'll get to that later. So they all stop, uh, and they're all, you know, a few people come in to take photos of their family members, and then they start marching again. And as they get further to the end of the block, just at the end of where we're standing, we start hearing the chanting. Um, and I'm not going to repeat what they were chanting. I agree with it, but I don't want it to be on this podcast. The chanting from the protesters. From the protesters. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they started chanting. They got signs. They had like a bunch of pamphlets they were throwing out. And they all stood directly in front of the police and stopped them from marching onwards, which I thought was pretty slay. Um, <laughs> very slay from them. Um, and then at some point, um, I could see the police sort of got pushed in one direction. And by pushed, I mean they started marching to the other side of the road, which was all empty. Because okay. they only marched down the one side. Yeah. And people started cheering, I think, because it looked like the police were about to leave. Mm-hmm. And then they veered back on. And when the protest first started... There was not a reaction from a single police person there. Okay. It was... It, you could tell that they had been drilled for this. Like, they had been told there will be protests. 
Um, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to deal with it. And seemingly just like not to engage with them. It, oh, exactly. Okay. Seem, like seemingly the, they had been told just don't react, don't do anything, which is good. Also, don't be in the march. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so is that you saying that, or that's what the protest wants? That's me it? saying that. Okay, cool. Don't be scary, bullet carrying gun police people in a gay pride march I reckon you should put that on a very eloquent sign thank you very I did it got slapped out of my hand by a police person notice I was saying police person because they're being inclusive good for them anywho not to get sidetracked it was pretty interesting to watch and I think it's really good to see the protest work like that because what happened was the protesters then sort of marched ahead of the police the whole way down the strip uh-huh. like chanting the whole way down which I think is really good for there to be such a public and obvious sign of we don't want this in the march. Yep. Um, and it wasn't, as far as I could see, violent. Uh-huh. I know that I saw a video of some pushing and shoving happening, but yeah, I, it just got sent to me before. Yeah. 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 But I, but I, from what I recall, there was no pushing or shoving happening at least at the start. Sure. So maybe it turned into a bloodbath when they got to the end. I don't know. <laughs> well, there was some sort of physical altercation. I'm Definitely. Sure yeah, yeah, more yeah. facts will emerge. <laughs> but um, yeah, but uh, but it's like also I will just say they had like polices, polices, mm-hmm. police people on horses. Oh, okay. Which I th- which I think as you know you don't do that unless you want to be scary and intimidating because horses around like huge groups of crowds you, you use horses when you have like. Nazis or something like that because you want to be intimidating to a scary group of people because horses famously in crowds are bad if they go wrong at all they might leap and kick people Uh so the only reason they would have brought those horses would have been to like scare Nazis well to scare well to scare queers Jake sure yeah Yeah. people that are yeah potential victims of horse thumpings and (laughs) people who have been historically victims of police throughout history oh yes that yeah 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 yeah. police plus horse you get to to cover both bases all police horses are bastards Um, yeah I'm blaming them as well that's what your back tattoo says (laughs) that and the southern cross weirdly it's a real mixed bag yeah you're a multifaceted guy yeah I contain multitudes Um, yeah so that was just interesting Um, yeah that was a bit but then the funny thing was uh, before the police were the librarians, so they got a really loud cheer because we love books. Uh, <laughs> we all love books here. We the queer community. Oh, we love a book. Love a book. <laughs> then there was the police. Ice cold silence. Okay. And, oh, another thing that I just wanted to point out that I thought was weird from the police. Yes. Uh, they started, like, the bag... They had, like, a single bagpiper. Boo, get more of them. So- <laughs> or get married, bagpiper. What are you doing, you loser? Get you said mad. a single bagpipe. Oh, that is funny. Yes, right? Okay. It's a bit of a thinker. It- <laughs> um, weird from you. So they had a single bagpiper and a drummer that started bagpiping when the protesters started shouting. Okay. And then they started bagpiping louder and faster. And it felt to me like the pipes of war. It was like, oh. are you trying to egg this? What is this? I just thought it was a weird move from them to, to be scoring the, yeah. Con- yeah, the conflict. Because it also was like quite jolly bagpiping. It sort of sounded like... Are you completely tone deaf? Yeah. Whereas if he like if this bagpiper had instead been carrying like a like a boombox and was playing like coconuts by Kim Petras, Yeah, it would have been much better. <laughs> it could have alleviated some of the tension. Totally, totally. <laughs> Whereas an instrument that's famously famously used to edge like egg soldiers on. Yes. Uh it, it did feel for a second like, should we leave? Interesting. <laughs> yes, I just thought that was a weird touch. Yes. Uh, but the funniest part was after they <laughs> The funniest. The part. funniest part of this whole thing. <laughs> if you're not already laughing, <laughs> get ready to hold on to your sides. Um, the police 
marched on, boo. And then behind them was the Yarra trams and a big the, tram. Wait, the trams themselves? Well, there was like a big cohort of like public transport and Yarra trams people. Mm. And then behind them was like an actual tram ah. like, coming down the main strip with like um, Happy Pride March 2024 going on this thing. And it was ringing its little... Oh, that's nice of the tram to so say nice that. nice of the tram. Yeah, gay <laughs> tram. We support it. Um, and because it was just such like alert from like the police mm-hmm. into them, they just got the loudest cheer all the way down the strip. It was so great for them. Really, really good. God. I love some yeah. false acclaim. That's good. <laughs> we did this. <laughs> you guys, everyone loves us. <laughs> and you know what? I do. I do love Yarra trams. <laughs> I love the 86 tram. There was a man on the 86 tram recently who had fallen asleep with chips in his mouth. What sort of chips? Uh, like hot chips. Ooh. They, like, they looked like fangs out of his mouth and he had cool. fallen asleep. I just thought that was a fun, fun tram story. I hope he was okay. Oh, look. <laughs> I just took his chips and left. <laughs> <laughs> really wet. Um, yeah, but, you know, police aside, the march was really fantastic. Uh-huh. It was really beautiful and just like, you know, Peter Mac marched down and they got so many like loud, really heartwarming cheers from people that just felt so like warming. There was like um, uh, the, what was it? The, the gender inclusivity branch of one of the hospitals had like a whole huge contingency that got like really loud cheers. Mm. Um, there was another one, like the Royal Women's Hospital had like a really large cohort of just, you could just look at these people and you were like, you are so clearly a health worker. Like your walk is just so efficient and you don't have time. Mm. It was and just, you're wearing Crocs. And you're wearing Crocs. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it was just like so many groups got like really like knowing heartwarming cheers. It was just nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I just forgot that feeling. And then marching down the end and getting to the end with all the midsummer volunteers and sort of like just... I will say one thing. Go ahead. I sat down under a tree at the end of all this. Okay. Jake, when I tell you it was an itchy bomb tree. Itchy bomb tree. You know the itchy bomb trees that have little like seeds that fall on the ground and the invisible splinters that come out of them that are like fiberglass? No, I don't live in Oz. What do you mean? You know, Is invisible real? splinters. Well, no. You know, like when you have like little splinters that are so small that you can barely see them and they look like hairs? I don't want to jinx myself, but no, I don't know what this oh, is. You prick. <laughs> you absolute prick They're awful They fall and they explode And they're just like fiberglass And they get all over you And then like They're like tiny little knives In your skin that Oh you, golly. you have to pick out with tweezers Because you can't see them Oh my god Yeah So I sat in one of them And it ruined my entire event I hate it Cancel the Pride March <laughs> It had all gone so smoothly Until that prickle <laughs> Yeah Everything in the Pride March Had been perfect um, Yeah I'd say Well done gang Well done to the organisers I do not Envy having to organise a big hot event like that, mm, especially just, with expecting controversy. Yeah, and yeah, this year, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Especially this year going in, there's been obviously so much like controversy behind it, and I think they were sort of gearing up to sort of deal with people directing their hate in places that maybe they shouldn't be directing it. Sure. So I, I just, I'm really glad that the biggest drama was. Directed at the people that should have been directed at, you know? Sure. The sure. cops! Okay. Well, I'd say, like, even outside of that, even without, I don't know, even making, like, a value judgment, or maybe I'm just making a value judgment and not taking any sort of side, it's great that this year's, like, midsummer with the march and with so many other things, too. Like, there's so much going on politically, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, artists making stances, making choices, mm. doing things yeah. very vocally. And outside of all of it, just, I don't know, to look at, I don't know, to whatever extent it's a functional democracy that we're in it's nice to see people using their voices and wanting to be heard and having platforms upon which to hear totally have those voices be heard yeah it's cool for our community it's cool for artistry in this country um and it's cool that these conversations are being engaged with you know like it isn't just a bunch of like crap slinging there's a lot of like back and forthery happening yes like it's not just accusing each other it's a lot of debate which is really nice yes and it's even just like the extent to which the conversation is happening this year with even just midsummer specifically as both an organization and as a festival it seems as if 
next midsummer different things will happen. Yeah, yeah, seems, absolutely. You know, like it seems the amount of talking and listening happening, it's like it's going to feel like I think like a different festival next year and it might I'd say I don't know, in the coming months start to feel like a slightly different community too. Yeah. I know? think you're absolutely right. I think it does feel like there is like a particular tipping point at the moment of change. Hmm. Which, you know, yeah, ho- hopefully it keeps tipping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Always evolve. Uh, so that was, I guess that was my, like, my summary of my past few days, Jake. I guess mm. I've, I've said enough. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm done. I'm bored. How about you? Me. Uh, mostly just, yeah, work, seeing shows. Um, yeah, honestly, still, like, reeling from the thrill of the rope course I did. Yeah. Um, the Luke George rope course. You've got joy in your eyes. I'm not used to that. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, but since then, I haven't had, yeah, a number of conversations with a couple of people about the, their own experiences with that type of thing. And oh, just, really? like, sharing my experience with them in person. Um, I'm planning tomorrow to go and purchase ropes. And, you oh know, my God. begin making it a part of my life. Oh, that's really, ex- <laughs> that's really great news. I'm excited for you. Sure, yeah, thank mm. you, yeah. Um, you kinky bust yeah that's me but yeah yeah so I suppose that it's just like you know that is exciting I mean, uh, that, these are big steps for old Jake Stewart <laughs> sure. they yeah. are yeah no yeah they'd barely be steps for some but for Jake I mean diving into rope is like it's a step like it's a bit it's, it's, it's not a small step yes diving into rope is a step <laughs> I, I know what you're saying it's just <laughs> you're bad at taking compliments you're Thank bad you. at accepting that you're doing things yes uh, um, yeah, so no, I suppose I'll give the last couple of days or so. Um, let's go six stars, because that is how many meters of rope I think I need minimum. <laughs> <laughs> James, what about you? Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give my week 78 stars. Okay. Because I think that's how many uh, contingencies of various councils and unions there were. I just thought there were a lot of different unions and a lot of different councils for oh. places that I've never even heard of. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, go the quiz. <laughs> You're around. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, wow. What a fun little... Oh, one what? thing that, that um, I saw, because I was, I, was, I was with Flynn. Which is just some guy you met at the parade. Yeah, and we hooked up and now we're in love. Oh, wow. I know, we moved quickly. <laughs> um, for those of you playing along, I've been with Flynn for nearly three years now. Uh-huh. uh-huh. One thing that Flynn saw that I thought was just really sweet was like, we were like sort of towards the end of the march down by the beach and there was this one like woman wearing a shirt that said free mum hugs available. Oh. And like this one person, like like middle, like middle-aged, regular looking guy just like walks up to her and like you can see him like sort of gesture like can I have one and she just gave him this look of like of course you can and just like opened up her arms and like embraced him and it was just a really beautiful moment that I wanted to share with the group it was just really nice it was just really really, I don't know why that moment maybe it just made me think of the inheritance maybe it just made me think of a bunch of things it was just really sweet yeah 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 super lovely so for that yeah I give it 78 stars still for the same reason that I said before. But Unions and whatnot. Unions and whatnot, but, but yes. also that moment. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, tell me about some theatre hot stuff. Okay. Hello, James. Hi. Hi. I went to Cracked Actors Theatre. Oh, you love a bit of Cracked Actors Theatre. I love a bit of Cracked Actors Theatre. What a goddamn venue. What a theatre. Oh my god. Yeah, so thrilling to be back. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was there to see Iago by Douglas Hackett. Gorgeous. Yeah. Can um, you hack it? Uh, well, we'll find out, won't we? Oh? Oh. <laughs> that, that could be a little through line we forget about while talking oh. about this show. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, are you familiar with Shakespeare's Othello? I studied it in high school, but I don't remember too much of it. Okay, great. Yeah. 
Good. I didn't study it in high school, and I remember a similar amount. <laughs> Great. So we're the right people to be talking about this. <laughs> I feel like an authority. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no. But what was helpful though, with like me having like a shadow of an understanding of what Othello is about, mm. it was like this show. So Iago is a character from Othello. Iago is the title of this play. He, yeah, and Iago is like the traitorous one, right? The one who like betrays Othello. I don't like to judge characters like that. Jake, answer my fucking. Good. <laughs> um. Yes. Iago. Yes. There's. There's. Like a betrayal and a perceived wrongdoing because of like adultery and whatnot that occurs. Again, I'm still not super clear on the plot of Othello. Okay. Yeah? But I, I'm much clearer now because of this and what this show was. Okay. So the show was called Iago. I went in not knowing much beyond the fact of Stephen Sewell having dramaturged it. Um, and so that's all, kind of all I went in with was like, okay, it's something to do with Othello. And Stephen Sewell taught you at some point, am I he, right? Yes, he taught me playwriting when I was doing my masters. Right. So that's yeah. Um Yes, so I went in being like, okay, is this just going to be Othello? Is it going to be like a like a weird sequel to Othello? Is it going to be like a spin-off? Is it going to be... Is just... it going to be the parrot from Aladdin? Is it going to be the parrot from Aladdin? Um, Othello! Is it, is it just going to be like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead? You know? No. You know. Well, I'm not going to sit here and explain Stoppard to you because we just don't have the time. Good. <laughs> you do famously hate to learn. Yes. <laughs> Um, I want to know less. <laughs> but yes, no. I uh, went there, sat in the front row by myself, even though like I was like one of the last people to come into the theatre, but the Ooh. front row was like completely empty. And I, I was, like, don't like seeing that. You've got to take the front seats. Well, it depends what the show is. Oh, yeah, if there's a splash zone or something. I don't immediately go to splash zone. I've been to less sea worlds than you have. I just love seeing the captive dolphins. They look so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Make it splash me. <laughs> Yo! Someone punch that dolphin! <laughs> I love it. I love it, I do. <laughs> Don't know why I'm finding this so funny. <laughs> just popcorn. <laughs> you just this villain at the front of a dolphin yeah. show. Is that a killer whale? Make it splash me. <laughs> You're sitting there and supping with underpants. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why are my underpants supping with? From the water that's been splashed on me, right? You've already been splashed a bunch. <laughs> Why am I underpants? Am I just in underpants? Because you want to feel it all. <laughs> in your bare flesh. Yeah, my bare flesh. I leave the human flesh at home. Oh! oh. So, <laughs> so Iago. Went inside. There was already like 20 people in there waiting for the show to start already sitting in the seating bank. But the front row was completely empty. The splash zone was going to hit no one. And so you stripped off. <laughs> so yeah, no. So I went there and sat by myself. This isn't interesting. But I went there and sat down by myself. But my boldness emblazoned two other people to come and join me at oh, the front. Oh, well done. Well done. Yes, so my fear... Wait, wait, two people who were already sitting down. Yes, they got oh! up from their seats and thought, look, if that loser's going to do that, let's be courageous as well. Look at me, inspiring people. You, well, Jake, I've always said this about you. Mm -hmm. What? Oh, I thought you would just assume I said something nice. I couldn't think of anything. Ah, oh, thank you, James. Um, but yes, no. So then the show starts. And then, as a well-constructed show does, eventually I come to know what the premise is. <laughs> <laughs> the classic Jake effect. Well, no, this, no, I understood this one. Oh, this okay, is, not the Jake effect, just a normal show effect. Just a normal show where it's like things happen and I understand them. Oh, you mean okay. <laughs> time passes and the story happens. Time, yes. <laughs> I'm catching on. Yeah, a play happens and I observe it. I take it into my I brain. retain the knowledge. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do a little computing. <laughs> God, the mind's a wonderful thing, isn't it? <laughs> um, but yes, so what's happening is they're doing a staging of Othello in the world of the play. And what we sort of spent a lot of the show doing is spending time with Joe and Gold 
as they rehearse this production. And those are the characters, not the actors. Yeah, so these are the characters. And so Gold is played by Gideon Mazembe, and Joe is played by Willem Whitfield. And they oh, play a fellow. Names. Sorry to interrupt. Oh no, stunning Sorry. names, wonderful men. Yeah, um, played by they. They play Othello and Iago respectively in the play inside of the play. Oh, I love a play in a play. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pippin being one that comes to mind. <laughs> Um, sure. I just, I just, they've recently done a production of Midsummer Night's Dream, and two different people have seen it. It's one of those ones in the gardens. Yeah. Two different people have seen it and come to me, and neither of them were very theatre people, but they came to me and they were like, um, look, I don't mind the play, but it's like, why is there a play in it? <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, the mechanicals. They're like, yeah, why is that in there? It's like, well, you have to know who Pyramus and Thisbe are to understand, you know, the subtext and the themes of the work. A belief I don't have. I just... <laughs> Anyway, let's not get hung up on that. I like bottom. You, <laughs> if you, you can like bottom, but you can't like puck, which someone has tried to convince me to do. I love puck. Oh, see, <laughs> puck is the character that all trans kids gravitate to before they transition. I'm just putting that out there. It's a gateway to realizing you're queer or trans. That's a thing that you've noticed. Oh god, yeah. Just anecdotally. If that's you a... find me a single trans person or a single queer person who has not like played puck in like a high school production of Midsummer Night's Dream, mm. I'll blow you. <laughs> I'm, is that a threat? <laughs> you take it as you want. What? It's a 40 degree day and there are no windows in here. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Just throwing that gobby off his left, right, and center. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so they spend a bunch of time in the actor playing Othello's apartment. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of scenes of them talking about the script, talking about their performances, and trying to like get the two of them to a place where they're performance opposite each other in this in-universe play that their like their performances are going to be good enough for the two of them to be happy with their performances. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So yep. it's a lot of like I'm rehearsal scenes, script analysis, talking about acting, talking about Shakespeare. A real show for writers. A little and a bit of like a show for like Shakespeare heads and even like a show for a particular type of actor. Something yep. that I definitely realized like early on in watching this show is like I could literally watch or listen to people talk about rehearsing plays, acting, like I could just sit there and watch that happen till the end of time. Like there was never going to be a point where I got sick of those scenes happening. As long as they just kept talking about that subject matter, I will just watch that like concrete spinner spin, you know? (laughs) That's a real, that's nice. That's lovely. It's nice to find something that you just know you will enjoy so much immediately I, sure. find so interesting that's great sure that was, no I think that's a good thing that was good that's just a very like, grey coloured response to that remark that's good <laughs> which is it's fine 40 degrees which is fine I get it you're very warm <laughs> um something and, and so we, what we sort of see is like chunks of them talking about relationships themselves as actors the play that they're in their approach towards the acting and how the rehearsal process in this play goes Mm -hmm. and then the show eventually opens and then we also get a little bit of time in the future after the show has sort of like finished as well it's kind of the extent of the timeline that we get and in between these chunks like in between these scenes time progresses and the way that we kind of well the way that we do experience that time progress is through a bunch of surrealist dance pieces. <gasps> yes! <laughs> I'm glad that's your instinctive I'm response. Straight in. <laughs> um, so they're choreographed by Annalie. <laughs> Why are you laughing? How else can we represent time passing? It's a genius choice. Because I'm I i do not want to see like a light change. I don't want to hear a big clock. I just, <laughs> great. You don't want to see hands spin on like a big Ben? <laughs> no. No, I don't. So dance, I love it. Um, yeah, so Annalie Beckman choreographed these dance like these surreal dance pieces so is it wait is it a two-hander yeah oh okay it's a two-hander it's a two-hander it's the two guys and then yeah for time to pass 
lights shift a bit, music starts, and then in one instance we, we get like this hot tango that happens. In oh. another one there's almost like an aggressive man fight that occurs. Man fight. Yes. And I was very fortunate I got to like meet and talk to Anna Lee after the performance that I saw. Mm. And she explained, which was really evident in the way that the, the dance ended up taking shape in the in the production, was like so like coming at it as a choreographer from a place of like let's see where these actors are at in terms of like their dance ability and the way that their bodies move and kind of like building the choreography on top oh, of that. Oh, around them. That's so great. Yeah, so it wasn't like, oh, I've pre-prepared this elaborate ballet sequence and now you have to get as close to great at it as possible, but whatever you get to is going on stage. So if you suck at it, that's yeah. on you, stupid. Oh, that's <laughs> such a smart way of doing it. Smart and like just also like quite romantic and beautiful in terms mm. of a process of being yeah. like having faith that what these actors are capable of with the skill set of those around them is mm. going to be able to be, to be turned into something beautiful enough to warrant its place in the work. And also is going to create something that the actors just feel more natural and comfortable doing and watching. Mm, I imagine so. Mm. Yeah. Um, something that I really appreciated about the way that Douglas went about constructing this piece and even just like the subject matter and the style of what was getting talked about and how it was talked about. It was great going into it having such... Uh, like I've never seen Othello on stage before right. I've read parts of it I've heard people talk at length about it and I've for some reason have like a relatively vivid memory of watching like a, like a, an abridged animated version of it on YouTube once what <laughs> when I was like for some reason I was just like Jake why don't you know Othello better and I was like, what's the fastest way to know Othello? I need to and push it into my brain. That's truly, it was like, yeah. yes. I was like, okay, I've got to cram this in because I'm feeling fraudulent. And then found this like 25 minute long animated YouTube thing that was like, Othello! <laughs> <laughs> Etc. I wish you would see the hand gestures, dear listener. <laughs> um, so when it comes to Othello, I'm no scholar. But what was great about this is that, as I sort of said at the start, it's like, it gave you enough pieces to understand what the play was. Mm. And it was also great to hear sort of via the play from the mind of Douglas this thought of like it at least felt like this person who really cares about this text is explaining to you through the voice of the play and the characters inside of it what's significant about the text yeah right to him the characters to you know society at mm. large um, and to another extent kind of like Shakespeare and the point of Shakespeare and why people value him so much yeah uh, and this play too it, it spends a little bit of time um, talking about the thing the sort of question that you've literally asked and posed and sort of fought for, the idea of like, what is the point of doing Shakespeare anymore? Yeah. Who does it benefit? Why do we keep doing it? It touches on that sort of for a second. It doesn't really like dwell there. It talks a bit about like Shakespeare having cobbled together like an encyclopedic analysis of like the human condition and the human heart and that type of thing. It says that sort of stuff. But what watching this show from the front row functionally <laughs> did... <laughs> He said did, smugly. <laughs> did for me, especially with, as I just said, like so happily just going to sit there and watch people talking Talk about, about theatre. Theater. It's like, I, I'd rather, and also thinking too, like oddly what I'm about to say kind of summarises a lot of what I've just talked about is the, the thing of like, yeah, I guess I want to experience Shakespeare and understand what's great about Shakespeare and experience his stories. But I guess I want to do, I, I think I'd rather, rather than sit down and watch you know, like fucking like Taming of the Shrew or watch Othello or watch, I don't know, Henry V. I think I'd rather watch a play that's either about them staging mm. Henry V or a play that's about actors discussing the merit of the Taming of the Shrew. Or totally, or like Amelia I, Bassano. Yeah, or Amelia Bassano. Is it what? Amelia Bassano? Oh, I am Amelia Bassano. Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, sure. But yeah, in terms of like, the, yeah, if... I don't know. I'd rather sit down and watch Shakespeare done like this. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a much more engaging way to, to, to at least from me, to watch Shakespeare. Right. Like, I can totally get behind that as well. I'll join you. And I think it's more interesting than, as we, yeah, I don't know. It's more interesting to me doing that and kind of like having the work. 
don't know, because so many people, when they say they're passionate about Shakespeare or they really want to stay to Shakespeare or something, they give you this, like, reason that they love it. And oftentimes it, it seems like those reasons boil down to they like these three or four scenes and they feel like it's a play that they understand. Mm. Um, then, of course, there are the, like, Elizabeth Brennans of the world who fully have this very convincing passion for these, like, you know, these mammoth play adventures. And mm. she loves the language and all of those sorts of things. But mm. I think, I don't know, I think... Well, my... Sorry to cut across No, you. do it. Well, my... Most of my railing and ranting against Shakespeare is the fact that it's like... So much has changed in time. I want to see modern plays about modern times. And if this is what you're describing, like a modern two people unpacking and discussing Shakespeare and how to do it and how to actually apply it to today, I think that sounds like a, that sounds like a really engaging and fun way to do it. And to uh, yeah, and to summarize it like that, it accomplishes what so many Shakespeare adaptations fail to do sometimes, in that they like this play without being sort of like without being, like, didactic or prescriptive or, or like, over so overly soapboxy, it poses arguments for the merit of Shakespeare and the reason that it still mm. survives while not making us sit through the entirety of Othello. Oh, you're absolutely right. But delivering to us a pretty good thesis as to why it has survived and why it should continue to and why it's a text worth returning to. Absolutely. Without, yeah, without making us sit through Othello. Which is, <laughs> which is the best of both. Because <laughs> I totally think, I don't think that we should throw Shakespeare out. I think it is important that it should exist and should be studied. Mm. But I just, I'm sick and tired of seeing it because they're so fucking long. Sure. <laughs> so fucking boring. <laughs> you know? Like, I just want to see modern shows. Sure. Call me a diva. And that's the thing you could do, but and it's like, and with all of these, especially the more popular Shakespeare's, there's stuff in them that people love. Absolutely. Um, and and with Othello too, like it has the the instance of like race being an issue. Mm. Like that's not a thing that's super prevalent across the Shakespeare's, so mm. it makes sense that that's that's one of the reasons that Othello has really stood the test of time and means something quite unique to particular people too. Yeah. You know, but it's like yeah, but you can ad like adapt Othello and say even more like pointed things about if, if that's the subject matter or if that's the topic that you want to dive into like it's your chance to yeah absolutely um, yeah yeah and it, it just and it doesn't require you like memorize a bunch of soliloquies I don't know if this is making me sound like a lazy person or no like, I think I think I think the point is like we've seen Othello like I know you haven't but it's you. been done so many times mm. let's go at it from a new angle and like dissect it and figure out what is interesting about it yeah because that the, is yeah. exactly what why we do the plays again and again because we find them interesting mm. but why do we find them interesting <laughs> let's talk about that yeah 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 because you're absolutely right that is more interesting to watch i think sure totally yeah and i think too it's like so often and it makes sense like shakespeare is free and accessible and familiar to people mm. um but yeah if, if the first step of what it feels like a lot of uh, you know if efforts at stagings and like softcore adaptations seems to be is like okay how can we trick people into liking this like how can yes. we hide this medicine in these cubes of how cheese how can we dress it up in some new pants yes yeah. where it's like okay well, why don't yeah I don't know why don't you you know pull it apart much more than you were planning to and yeah. I don't know and then make something out of that you know I thought, yeah no, you've convinced me is is something and I don't know but that's that's just one no, of Jay, the things you've convinced me sure well it's one of the things that this play made me like you know ruminate on for a little while yeah. so um, something that came up that I just hadn't thought about for a while, so I'm just going to bring it up so you get to think about it as well. Okay. This thing that people have talked about um, in, like, I don't know, in when, when learning to act and learning to direct and make theatre and whatnot, a, a thing that I, yeah, just was reminded of existing. The thing of, like, don't touch another person on stage unless you're going to kiss or kill them. Oh. Like, don't physically touch them unless that is the undertaking that you're going about like to touch someone on stage is a very loaded gesture like it's not the same as me like tapping you on the shoulder now while we're talking yeah yeah, yeah. it's like for us to be on stage it's like that just means a lot more because 
and again, these are all theories and concepts when sure. it comes to the idea of staging something. But like, sure, just like the semiotics and the significance of that type of physical symbolism yeah. indicates something. So don't just like casually touch an actor. Okay, yeah, that's it. I guess if you're doing like a heightened version of... Well, not even a heightened version. Like this is really? just a, this is just a belief that people have. It's like if you're touching someone on stage, it means either of those two things are about to happen. So what if like a character's helping their elderly mother up the stairs? Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The theory stands. So are you about to kill or kiss your grandmother? That's the thrill of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that rule. Well, you don't have to. That's right. That's the thing about theories <laughs> and opinions. I, I, I understand. I get, I get where it comes from, and I understand what what it's saying about how movement and touch is loaded on stage. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't know. I don't know. I just think like people touch each other all the time. <laughs> that's a really good point, James. No, I just. It <laughs> sounds so dumb. I just mean. I don't know. I just think there's. Sure. Well, I think the next time you see a play, go in with that in mind and maybe mm. pay attention to the way. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. You know. Mind. What, did, did this come up in that in the play? Yeah, it was literally discussed. Oh, great. Yeah, it was the thing they talked about. There was so much, like, theatre talk in it, which did is Did they of... touch and then kiss? Did they touch and then kiss? Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> the the play itself, the way the story goes, it kind of charts the trajectory of their, like, the two characters and their, and their like, confusing romantic undertaking. Uh-huh. So they start off, like, rehearsing this play together, and then they begin to kind of, like, this seems to begin to be, like, the beginnings of, like, romantic spark between the two of them, and it seems like Joe is the one... Most like the the one playing Iago, Joe is the one first most taken aback by the the feelings he like has kind of from the get go for gold. Mm. He sort of like has this immediate fascination and yearning and electric thing happening inside of him. Mm. And then as the play moves forward, time passing us by in both real time and surrealist dance. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we, yes, we get to the point where they yeah they end up like having sex with each other and then sort of like attempting some version of a traditional relationship. And then so forth. I'm not going to like spoil how the whole thing goes. No, but it's like that's so alongside them being in this play together. It's also like that in- with a thing that I've you know a number of times said how interesting I find it. Like the experience of like making art and romance happening between two people at the same time. Like that's kind of the journey that. We're oh doing. yeah, you've literally done a whole show about that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yes, um, so yeah, that that is one of the things that gets charted too. Oh, that sounds like it's right up your alley. Sure, sure. Yeah, in terms of those sorts of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so that also occurs. Um, also, I got the chance to speak to the two actors afterwards, which was oh, yeah, great. which was a thrilling time that I was super into. But yeah, I got to speak. I also say like one thing that the two of them said that I thought was kind of like. I don't know, I enjoyed hearing and kind of, I could then think back on the play and just enjoy the fact of like these thoughts. Because I don't know, when I get to talk to actors kind of like instantly after works, one of the things that I try to, I don't know, one of the things that I'm most urgently interested in talking to them about is the thought of like, okay, you encountered this play and now you're inside of it. And what either like initially made you see a puzzle that you wanted to solve with this performance Mm. or what has been changed about your mindset because of having gone through this process. Sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Be it to do with the subject matter or you as a, like a, like an artist, like has anything changed in you? Like, are you different now because of this for reasons beyond you're just tired? <laughs> you know? Well, I'm very tired. <laughs> um, so I'll just say like two things that I thought were really wonderful, like one from each of the actors. And so like, I got to speak to, to Gideon um, and he brought up the fact of like something that gets brought up um, that really resonated with him, but gets brought up in the play is this idea that there's something wrong with people that are drawn to the theater essentially like largely like the actors like there's something wrong with actors in their human experience (laughs) and going on stage is the antidote to that problem you know and it's kind of like you go on stage to solve it god you know yeah 
was something. And then Willem, um, so if you put the one who was playing Joe, who was playing Iago in the show, <laughs> um, if you're keeping up, um, said that w- this is, of course, Midsummer, so the show itself, like, of course, there's a relationship that happens between the two men. Like, mm. it's, it's a, sort of like a gay love story. Um, but he sort of, like, contended that it was, like, less of a queer play and more of a play about what it is to be a man. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. and as... Because also, as it comes up in the show, too, like, in Shakespeare's day, like, being gay wasn't really anything. It was just kind of, like, whoever you were attracted to, you happened to be attracted to. And mm. these labels have been a thing that have come about more recently than that. Yeah. And c- kind of begs the question, um, within the text a little bit, is that, like, are those labels helpful, with, like, for us moving forwards, you know? And with, like, the you know, the rise of kind of, like vague queerness and with the idea of like pansexuality becoming something that people are much more comfortable with Mm. the breaking down of these things and the dissolution of some of the fences dividing these labels Mm. um are we heading back in that direction as well which is kind of like i don't know something that the some of the content of the play kind of like softly gestured towards you know like it wasn't yeah interesting yeah it wasn't a point at the forefront it was like it was lurking in there somewhere this this idea at least for a second yeah dolly lots to think about absolutely stimulating time but yeah no but yeah it was fun to watch the two of them the two of yeah the two actors really brought like quite different energies to each other but it was nice for that reason to kind of like not know where it was going to go because they were just like two ingredients that sometimes didn't even seem like they were like like belonged in the same cake or something but it was like because the two of them were so uniquely energized and yeah it was it was fun to watch happen what happens when they like let alone like are in, like acting in scenes together mm. but even like yeah, having to like do tangos and to do all these like physical movements yeah well, a lot of fun well. stuff for them to get to do yes and to watch and, them do yeah and to also like watch them fall in love it was like oh um yeah because like Gideon had such like a, this like like thunderous groundedness to him and his character spent so much especially the first half of the play kind of like looking at Willem's character quite sort of like a bit incredulous and a bit kind of like what, what are you doing in this room with me like you seem maybe like you're a little bit out of your depth mm. that type of thing and then just to see like the, the, the sort of like the sweet almost like almost like librarianness that, oh. <laughs> that, that like that, that Willem sort of brought to his character it was like yeah he like his character like recently played Romeo in like a, in a production of Romeo and Juliet like you can see like he's this handsome guy that's kind of like gotten through these things and is very much in his head about his craft and the work that he does um, but but when it comes down to actually engaging with it and trying to like like inspect kind of like the tissue that connects his humanness to his art like artisticness, it's like he sometimes seems a bit at a loss for words and mm. seems to like feel some of his beliefs about himself and his craft uh, are maybe a little weaker than he thought they were. So yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm just into theater about you're theater. really into theater. I love it. <laughs> and I love it. Um, is that? But anyway, let's let's move past this. <laughs> And, and, and unless there's anything you want to say about the adventure of No, Iago. no, your conversation about Shakespeare has really inspired me to watch shows about Shakespeare that are not Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. good, good. Hey, James. Hello, Jake. Hi, I went to Chapel Off Chapel with beautiful British Johnny. Oh, I know Johnny. You know Johnny. I like Johnny a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, went to Chapel Off Chapel. Okay. Obviously, beautiful venue. <laughs> I really enjoy going there. We were in the theatre that's like to the right. Like you go in. <laughs> no, I know. The- no, I know. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, sweet, sweet listener. <laughs> if you've never been to this venue, means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so you walk in the front doors, you turn right. There's a little bit of a walkway and then it connects you to what is a chapel. <laughs> So this is the theatre to the right. And that's where I went with beautiful British Johnny. We went inside, we were in row F. <laughs> so add that to your maps that I imagine you're drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have been in row G. You would have been in row G. No, uh, what's before F? E? 
<laughs> I'm going to write ahead of you. Way to handle the alphabet real well. Shut <laughs> up. Carry on. And so quickly. It's so hot. <laughs> um, but yes, now we were there to see Torch Song by Harvey Firestein. Yes. You know Harvey Firestein. I know Harvey Firestein. He talks like this. Yes, he does. You could have done that. You could have told them. Could have told them who was interviewing him. Um, what's her name? She was interviewing him and talking about how like how bold it was for him to be out and gay, and how nobody knew there were any gay people in in Broadway, and it was like bold of him. And he was saying, "You knew, you could have told people, you could have done this." And he was what accusing what Diane Sawyer of being vaguely homophobic. Yeah, he was like, it was, she was saying like, no one could have you know interviewed a gay man and and and, and at that time, and he was just came out and was like, no, you could have done that, you should have done that, but you didn't. Oh, like, good on you, Harvey. God, I've been thinking a lot lately about how, like, having a good voice would make you more confident in saying stuff. <laughs> God, they're, the they're, they're, they're not all ever... winners, are they? <laughs> no, because I think it's like, um, like even when you, what do you this, th- I what promise do you... this is not about this play. When you see actors in plays and they have an accent, some of them don't act as hard. Because they think the accent's doing most of the character work. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I do know and what you mean. And I get that people have their voices and a lot of people don't choose to artificially alter them. But it... <laughs> it, it, it can. It, uh, having an accent does not acting make. <laughs> no, but in life I'm thinking like... Because I find my voice irritating and I, I, I often worry about people being annoyed by the sound of my voice and that's part of the reason that I speak quickly is to get it out of the way quickly with people, you know? Oh, horrible this, and no, depressing thing to say. <laughs> this wasn't You've got a be, lovely voice. This wasn't meant to be sad. But I'm just thinking like, but if you either became certain your voice was lovely or if, I don't know, if you like acquired... Maybe it's part of like the Madonna pretending to be have a like a to have a British accent for a while. Or Paris Hilton pretending to have a high pitched voice. It's yes, if if your voice that is inherently supposed to be kind of like an authentic representation of like your inner capacity to express with your mouth, <laughs> it's like if you can turn that into a thing that is like constructed by you, so it is no longer in your understanding something that's organically happened, but a thing that you've decided upon, mm. it then becomes a decision which is more empowering than mm. being at the mercy of your genetic situation. It's interesting. You know, and it also means that you can, I don't know, there's more consciousness then in, I guess, handing your thoughts to people in the form of a voice that you've yourself cultivated. Wow. Yeah, okay. Well, I do sometimes accidentally do a little bit of a slight British voice when I when I talk, like, try and talk about things author- like with authority. You do, yes. I and do. you hit your T's very yes, crisply. I really do go into it. Yes. And I'm not sure why I do that. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe that's maybe part it's, of Maybe it. it's that. Perhaps. Maybe it's trying to, yeah. Do, do you notice yourself doing that or do you do that sometimes? No, no. No, I know oh. some, no, I, no. My voice does weird things and I often get accused of being from places that I'm not from. Um, but yeah, no, none of it's on purpose, but I don't know. Things happen. <laughs> what about your, what about your like Southern twang that leaps out every now and again? That's news to me. Purpose. <laughs> and your, what else did you say? You said, um, oh, you say things with like a really intense little Southern inflection every now and again. You do. I trust you, but I, it's not a thing that I'm consciously doing. I'll point it out the next time you do it. I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking being a walk across a landminey field. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So tell me more about Torch Song. Torch Song. So it's by Harvey Firestein, who talks like this. Hello, I'm Harvey Firestein. See, that sounds a lot like your Miss Honey impression. No, my honey impression is down here. Surely you hear the similarity though, right? Don't know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, Torch Song by Harvey Firestein. It's a thing I didn't realize until I sat down to watch it that it was like like three sentences in I was like because I, I went in thinking like as I said at the, in the first episode of the Midsummer, I was like can't wait to see Torch Song I really care about that play 
and I just had forgotten that I saw it relatively recently at the Brighton Theatre Company. Yeah, I thought you did. Yeah, I, th- I just, like, that fell out of my head because it was I saw it in the midst of, like, the late stage rehearsals of Five Stars. So it was like, that has, has all been, like, capsuled off in my memory. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this! Yeah, no. Yeah. So it was like, oh, but then it, still, it was like, oh, super excited because, yeah, I care about a few of the cast members and, yeah, care about the text. So I was like, okay, strapped in, let's go. Great! <laughs> yeah, so show starts. So Torch Row stuff, F. Row F. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, Torch Song, um, it, it's also the, the Torch Song trilogy. I don't know how much of a difference between those two things there is but it's yeah it's yeah. when I read the play it was called the Torch Song Trilogy they're seemingly essentially the exact same thing as yep. each other just a slightly different title <laughs> did you hear it? <laughs> <laughs> no did you hear that? <laughs> what, what did I go weirdly British or something? no I, no <laughs> um, but yeah so it's in three chunks um, and so chunks, <laughs> chunks. Sorry. What? What? Just, I just I'm not used to you saying words like chunk. Chunk? Yeah. What? Oh yeah, I'm trying to grow. It's like <laughs> I guess subconsciously because I'm not a person that normally comfortably says things like chunk. No, exactly. That's what I mean. Carry on. Anyway, um yes, so but yeah, so we start off like we meet Arnold and he's like a drag queen and meets Ed at a gay bar. They sort of hit it off for a little bit, but then Ed in the sort of like I don't know, weeks after meets a woman named Laurel and he sort of chooses to be more consistently with her romantically because being in a heterosexual pairing during like the 70s, 60s, 70s is just like an easier thing for a person to do. Yep. And Ed is bisexual conveniently. Um, then we get to the second part where Ed has tried to instigate like a fun weekend away with his woman partner Laurel and Arnold. Arnold brings with him his like boyfriend of the moment named Alan with him to this getaway. And the four of them have a series of like altercations that happen in this like the middle part of the play. The third part, we jump forward to 1980, at which point Alan, I, I'll get to Alan in a moment. Hey! Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, will you? Oh, yes. And, uh, yes, and Arnold is raising a boy if the social worker lets him do it. And also we meet Arnold's mother, who isn't very nice. <laughs> That's kind of like the framework of the plot. Yes. <laughs> um, if you want nothing beyond that spoiled and you want to see this play before Jake ruins it for you in terms of surprises, I don't know. <laughs> this might not be the episode Sue me. <laughs> Um, But yes, no. So first off, I'll just launch into, like, the actors that I, like, went into this already giving a gosh darn about. So Scott Middleton played Ed. Scott, ah, yes. I think that's a name I've heard come out of your mouth a bunch of times. A bunch of times. Yeah. Because it's just, like, super into Scott. He's just, like, so impressive in so many ways. I really love watching him perform. He's amazing on stage. We talk about the show all the time, but only in ways that are sort of, like, baffling. Uh, traps. <laughs> he was in Traps. Okay. Confusing Traps. The play that Jake the, didn't understand. It's <laughs> the beginning of Jake not understanding shows. <laughs> yes, it was... It was yeah, it was, it was the first the, show that had the Jake effect. The first big one with the Jake effect where I came out of it being like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and not even what, like, that was weird. It was just what is in you genuinely did not understand what happened. Yes, I turned to Johnny and was like, can you explain this to me? And he guessed incest and even he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so Scott continues to impress and excite me. And bewilder. He also bewilders. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And on top of that too, Declan Clifford was in it playing Alan. Like the, like the young model that comes with Arnold to the getaway in the central chunk of the play. Sure. Um, yeah. And yeah, again, the, the first time that I saw Declan perform, it was in the untitled three-hander. Untitled three. Oh, yeah. that's been popping up a bit recently. Like Hayden Hayes at the MC showroom. <laughs> Good plug um, for yeah. a show that's already finished. <laughs> you should catch it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a wonderful time. And that was my first experience of Declan. Um, and yeah, again, continues to amaze. I just think he's wondrous. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And really like, yeah, I don't know. But yes, so I'm just going to say, remember that little cliffhanger that I yeah, we'll get back to gave you a minute ago? Go on, baby. So the same thing happened in this rendition. 
Not because of any sort of theatrical craftsmanship. It's the narrative. But the same thing happened when I saw the Brighton Theatre Company production of Torch Song. Yeah. Where it's like the character that Declan played, Alan, I spent the second, like the middle chunk of the play in both productions falling madly in love. Oh my God. Just, oh, just in love with the, just like such like, let's talk about Declan specifically. Just like a sparkly, effervescent, like interesting kind of like weird guy that's like a new character on the scene so it's a new person to sort of get to know and then you come back after interval and it happened both times you come in and you see a black and white photo of that, of that character <laughs> sitting on furniture and you're like oh no he's dead <laughs> <laughs> and they get you the second time as well every time oh my God. I always forget that Alan dies. Yes. I, I got too comfortable. I was like, ah, oh, there'll be more Declan. Maybe this time. <laughs> Maybe they're doing a fun twist. <laughs> and I'm Alan. <laughs> I live here now. Maybe he'll just be like an ever-present ghost that like nods at the proceedings. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You should rewrite the tour song to have Alan as a ghost. Yeah, maybe instead of the final moment where Arnold is like lying on his sofa bed looking at the roof happily, maybe instead of that he should see the ghost of Ellen <laughs> looking down disapprovingly. <laughs> no, what a testament to the actor that, he, that you, were, you felt a real genuine pang of emotion that he was gone. Sure. Yeah, but, but I don't know if it's the emotion that you want to elicit from an audience. Confused, like, sad. I sure wish he was still here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a testament to the acting. Yeah, of course. Oh yeah, and it's not as if his absence meant there was nothing going on. Yeah, there was a bunch happening. Um, it makes sense to bring up, and it would have made more sense to bring up sooner, the performance of Joshua Rubin, who plays the lead character. Yeah, go on then, <laughs> so I guess. He, he plays Arnold. Hmm. And I think the thing that I spent the show doing and afterwards thinking about, um, the thing that I, I guess I loved most about Joshua's performance was the way that he handles... like. His body is so great at doing physical comedy. Mm. Like, it's just... Uh, what, what did it even remind me of? Um, maybe it's not, it's not an animal. It's a specific version of an animal. It's his physical presence was so, like... Yeah, elegant and funny, but in terms of the way that it applied to the comedy that he was delivering, was like, it kept reminding me of <laughs> Nathan Lane's vocal performance and his cartoon performance oh. as... Timon the meerkat in oh, The Lion King? Not where I thought that was no, going. No, sorry, I walked you there backwards. But yes. <laughs> I was so excited for the birdcage and then I'm out sorry. comes Timon. Yes. <laughs> Same character, arguably. Just something about <laughs> What are you talking about? Yes, so it's like if you take Timon the meerkat and you stretch him into like a tall, beautiful man and make him play Arnold in the Torch Song trilogy, <laughs> you'll get a vague idea of like what I found. I like, love the way you talk about theatre. <laughs> Um, was just something that, yeah, I, I kept enjoying, was getting to see... When he was a young warthog! <laughs> um, yeah, I just enjoyed watching Joshua's body do those things. And Great. Like, yeah, 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 was something... It's always a gift to watch someone who is physically gifted at comedy. Yeah, totally, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When they do yeah. well, it's such a gift. Anyone that occupies their body in a way that is like, I don't know, off the beaten track. Mm, it's a bit weird, know. it's a bit fun, a bit different. Always obsessed with it. And it's one of those things that is great on stage because it's just an example of those things where it's like, I don't get it yet. Or it's like, it's a new thing. It's like, it, it, it does that thing of like, okay, why is that on stage? And it gives you the answer of like, because you haven't seen it very much. Mm. And so you want to keep looking at it because mm. you think you'll find the solution or you'll at the, at the very least be constantly engaged of like, I want to solve this. Wait, this is such a strange creature. Like a big Rubik's cube. <laughs> Sure. The trickiest puzzle you've ever encountered. I've never solved a Rubik's Cube. And I think people would assume that about you. Watch it. <laughs> Be very careful. It is very hot in this room. <laughs>
Um, something that I... This is like a text thing. It's like, this... The Torch Song Trilogy has been with me since the first time I read it when I was 19. And it's one of those, like, texts that now, having seen it twice on stage and having read it a couple of times since first reading it, it's now... I don't know. <laughs> every time I revisit it, um, it's one of those things that I'm sure we all have this... We definitely all have this with, like, stories, plays, movies, people, when it's like, when you encounter them with time in between, it kind of tells you differences in yourself. You know? Oh. Don't, yeah? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just, yeah, just a nice way of phrasing it. Sure. And, yeah, so I guess I have that type of relationship with Torch Song. And, yeah, this time it seemed to say... It's certainly with, like, even, like, looking at some of the scenes with Melina Wiley in them, playing the mother mm. of the lead character, mm. playing Arnold's mother, um, that th- 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 this viewing of the show was the first time that those scenes hit me in a way where it was, like, it made me think about, like, oh, I do have, like, a complicated thing with my gayness and my relationship with my mother and, like, parenting and my sexuality, like, all that stuff. Um, It was, I guess, this time that I experienced this story that... This is the first time that that was a thing that leapt out to the forefront. Yeah. Like, more often I get lost in the love stuff, but this time it was more about the parents stuff. Oh, interesting. Was something. Um, And also, like, to dwell on, like, Melina Wiley for just a second. She was also the costume designer and Ah. did a good job and then just wanted to point out that I especially liked... All of the stuff that she had Joshua in. I thought his outfits were really fun. Oh, I liked them. They were like really flattering. They like, it seemed like she too had an appreciation for the way that like the things that his body liked to and managed to do on the stage. Yeah. It was like, it was really like complimentary the things that she whacked him in. So I just want to, yeah, just like say that. Oh, good on. Good. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I also want to say too, like something that I, and I think part of it has to do with like doing this podcast with you and the things that we talk about. This show brought me to even like, and I don't know if this is a strength, but let's not even be like judgmental about it. A thing in the text mm, is wait. that <laughs> a thing in the text, like this isn't about the production. It's just it just so happens that in this viewing of the show is the first time that I noticed this about the text. Is that like so much of it is like not anything really happening. So much of this script is people talking about the past, talking about things we didn't see, talking about their feelings about stuff that's already happened. And it's like that isn't dynamic. Playwriting. <laughs> oh, you so know, you're saying <laughs> what? <laughs> it's bad. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> joking, no, I'm it's joking. just it's the first time that I've noticed yeah. where it's like, yeah, it's like it's not a thing that you necessarily like dramatically want your play to be, and yet you have fallen in love with this work. Well, well, yeah, this work means a bunch to me. It means yeah. a lot to a lot of people, especially gay people, and it's Harvey Fine. Oh no, no I'm, that's not know? me judging. I'm yeah, saying that, no, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's interesting that it can have done that while like failing in a way that a lot of people like. If you were to present this script, like I just kept imagining like a young Harvey Firestein like mm. handing this play to a bunch of like amateur theatre makers or to like a dramaturg or something mm. I think one of the first things that they would potentially say would be like there's a lot of talking and there's not a lot of action yeah. like not a lot of what we see is immediately consequential in front of us yeah. you know like the most consequential things that really like physically happen before us um, for the bulk of the play is like them eating food that they just made <laughs> you know beyond that it's a lot of yeah, you know, and like phone calls and stuff. And even that isn't necessarily happening in front of us. It's mm. kind of happening on either end of the phone. <laughs> you know? I do know how phones work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's... Yeah, interesting. And yet, it, it it works on a level. Well, it does what it does. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah it's... I don't know, just... It, that's it, an just, interesting thing to notice for the first time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With something just about, about the text. Um, but I don't know. I don't think we're going to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we'll try. <laughs> That's what Midsummer's all about. That is what it's all about. <laughs> Setting fire to the classics. <laughs> ah! Oh, <laughs> another day. <laughs> okay.
<laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. We were, just, we were like, we stopped recording for a second and then I just kept talking about Torch Song. Yeah. <laughs> one, look, one, I'm going to quickly say one thing. I know I just said that I had no more things to say. One thing that they did with the set design is they started, they, they had these two like little stagey palette things and it said Torch Song on the top of them, like one word on each thing and they were like a present set piece throughout the entire show. And it was this interesting, what felt like reminder thing to be like, this play is called Torch Song. It is a text. Remember, like, remember that this is a text the whole time, which I think is an interesting thing to kind of have this presence on stage. So at no time they swapped them around, so it said Song Torch. N- it never said Song Torch. Huh. That is missed some, opportunity. That's some good choreography. Yeah, well, could have been, but you know, never mind. We, you wanted Song Torch. I think Song Torch would be funny. You, funny for as like a stage gag. Yeah. Oh, should like the cast because they were the ones in charge of moving them. Put them down. It would say Song Torch. They look all... at each other and they go. Oh. <laughs> Again, guys. Oh, guys! <laughs> and then they move it around. We all go, oh, they're, they're professional, but they're still having fun. You know? <laughs> yes, yes. But then one of them turns and shoves one of them. <laughs> and then like the other t- one pulls out a gun. <laughs> and it's a play within a play! Yeah. <laughs> it's the Torch Song Mechanicals! <laughs> I'd love that. Personally, me, I would. So are you doing anything else for the rest of the week? What's going on? Yeah, it's, it's currently midsummer. I don't know if you know. So <laughs> I am so warm right now. <laughs> Stop talking about the heat. It is so hot in this room. Damn this heat. Damn <laughs> this heat. Um, yes, uh, sweet listener, sorry we talked about the temperature so much. I'm not. <laughs> I meant every word. I think it's very clear to you, again, sweet listener, that it was all James's fault that it kept it coming uh, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really warm right now. Um, you know what? Our what? opinion. Um, <laughs> we may disagree with things we said on this podcast. <laughs> Um, our, we are human beings and we're overheating and our opinions may uh, be inflamed during this particular time of oh, heat. What a th- fun themic temperature related adaptation. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, yes. Jake. And our friends don't let friends become theatre critics regardless of how hot it gets. No, that's true. That one stays true. Not an excuse. True. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it never is. Um, yeah, I hope you're a comfortable temperature wherever you are. Um, thank you for being here for this chunk of the mid-summary. I will never say chunk again in my life. You've said and, it so many times now. Yeah, and yeah. now I'm out of them. Okay. Well, I mm-hmm. hope you're having a really good time at midsummer, everybody. I mm-hmm. uh, hope you're having a wonderful time seeing good shows yes. and seeing all sorts of things. And seeing bad ones. Bad ones are fun too. Oh, <laughs> see all the shows. You've got to support the arts. It's yes. important. And, uh, yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah, thanks for being here with it us. It sounded like you were about to say something else there. but What did you, you think just, I was going to say? You went like, and yeah, and... But anyway. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Maybe the heat's getting to me. <laughs> Is my name Martha? <laughs> <laughs> it could be, baby. Oh. I'm going to go home. <laughs> we have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go home. Uh, yeah. And I might kill myself like this. <laughs> go home and listen to the share Michael Bublé duet version of the Michael Bublé song, Home. That did not stay in my brain. <laughs> you just said. <laughs> we have to stop. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>